Numbers chapter 6 verse 1 And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, to speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either a man or a woman shall clearly utter a vow, the vow of a Nazarite, to consecrate himself unto the Lord. 3. He shall abstain from wine and strong drink. He shall drink no vinegar of wine, or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat fresh grapes or dried. These are the laws of the Nazarite, and there are two famous Nazarites in the Bible. One of them is Samson in the Old Testament who was a Nazarite, and because he was a Nazarite, neither his pregnant mother nor him after he was born were allowed to ever have wine, and he also was never allowed to cut his hair. Another famous Nazarite in the Bible was John the Baptist in the New Testament. A Nazarite is kind of like they're a member of the elite forces of God. They're not exactly a prophet. They're not exactly a priest. Well, John the Baptist was a priest in the New Testament, but it's a little different than either of those. But there were people who got appointed to actually be Nazarites, and they were people who had to walk in holiness, and their whole lives were dedicated to the Lord. John the Baptist prophesied, because he prophesied the coming of Christ. He also called the people to repent, so he was a prophet. Although he was born in the priesthood, he was also a prophet, like Jesus himself was a prophet. Samson in the Old Testament was a massive sinner. Even though he was ordained by God to be a Nazarite, he sinned up a storm. He did not remain holy like a Nazarite is supposed to be. It caused him a lot of pain and torment in his life, and ultimately it caused him an early death because he did not respect God's laws at all. But God still used him because he was a member of this elite force of Nazarites that God... I think of Nazarites as like the Navy SEALs, or the Green Berets in the military. It's this elite force that God uses to do special assignments. Samson had a special assignment, and so did John the Baptist. We're going to find out how that Nazarite is consecrated. These verses are going to tell us, for one thing, he can never have any wine. And you'll notice that John the Baptist never drank wine. He only ate locusts and honey, and of course water. Samson was a great sinner, and Samson drank wine, and he wasn't supposed to. Samson did a lot of things that he wasn't supposed to. They aren't even supposed to eat raisins. Anything that's related to the grape, they're not allowed to have. For all the days of his Nazarite ship shall he eat nothing that is made of the grape vine, from the pressed grapes even to the grape stone. Anything that even closely relates to grapes, he can't touch it wine would inebriate you. So I think that's the main point, is that he's never allowed to be inebriated. 5. All the days of his vow of Nazariteship, there shall no razor come upon his head, until the days be fulfilled, in which he consecrateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow long. And that's why Samson could never cut his hair, which we'll read about Samson later in the book of Judges. He was living in the Nazariteship, just like a kingship. If you're king, you're in the kingship. 6. All the days that he consecrateth himself unto the Lord, he shall not come near to a dead body. 7. He shall not make himself unclean for his father, or for his mother, or for his brother, or for his sister when they die, because his consecration unto God is upon his head. Just like a priest, he's not allowed to touch dead bodies. But because he's a Nazarite, even for his own family, he's not allowed to touch their dead body, because he's consecrated to the Lord. He has to remain undefiled. 
Samson took honey out of a dead lion's carcass and ate it and gave it to his parents to eat without telling them where it came from, thereby causing his parents to sin. And he himself sinned by eating the honey out of the out of the lion's carcass as well. Samson broke all the rules. The only rule that Samson abided by was that he did not cut his hair until he finally sinned and told Delilah, yeah, I'm not supposed to cut my hair. And then she had it cut. 8. All the days of his Nazarite ship, he is holy unto the Lord. Even though Samson was sinning, he was holy unto the Lord, but he himself was a great sinner. I'm not convinced that Samson went to heaven, because he seemed to be a sinner all the way to the end. Just because you're consecrated doesn't mean that you're guaranteed salvation. Just because you serve the Lord doesn't mean that you have your free ticket to heaven. We all have to repent of our sins. And Samson never exactly seemed to do that. Maybe his last prayer was a prayer of repentance, but I'm not sure of that. The Bible doesn't say that he repented. We don't want to live like Samson and be a servant of the Lord and still end up condemned in the end. 9. And if any man die very suddenly beside him, and he defile his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head in the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day shall he shave it. Because you have to be cleansed after you touch a dead body. If he accidentally touches a dead body because somebody dies and maybe falls in his lap, then he has to go through the cleansing ritual, and on the seventh day he has to shave all of his hair off. 10. And on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest to the door of the tent of meeting. 11. And the priest shall prepare one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering, and make atonement for him, for that he sinned by reason of the dead. And he shall hollow his head that same day. After the cleansing ritual, after the shaving, after the offering of the two birds, then his head is clean again, and he can start growing his hair out again. 12. And he shall consecrate unto the Lord the days of his Nazarite ship, and shall bring a he lamb of the first year for a guilt offering. But the former days shall be void, because his consecration was defiled. The days before he touched the dead body don't count. 13. And this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his consecration are fulfilled, he shall bring it unto the door of the tent of meeting. Now that's the guilt offering. 14. And he shall present his offering unto the Lord, one he lamb of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering, and one ewe lamb, so a he lamb is male and a ewe lamb is female, of the first year without blemish for a sin offering, and one ram without blemish for peace offerings. The burnt offering means you're totally consecrated to the Lord. All of it gets burnt for the Lord. The priest doesn't get any part of it. The sin offering means that you want the Lord to forgive your sins, and the priest will burn part of that for the Lord and take part of it for him and his family to eat. The peace offering is an offering that gets shared. The priest will get to eat some of that, I believe. That means peace between you and God because your sins are now forgiven. You're no longer an enemy of God. See how the Nazarite is a sinner too. All of us are sinners. Everybody needs forgiveness. The high priest has to have an offering for his forgiveness. The other Levites have to do offerings for their forgiveness. Even the Nazarite does, and including all of Israel. So everybody is considered a sinner, even the high priest. But Jesus, our eternal high priest, is without sin. 15. And a basket of unleavened bread, cakes of fine flour mingled with oil, and unleavened wafers spread with oil, and their meal offering, and their drink offerings. He has to bring bread, oil, wafers, and a grain offering, and a drink offering, which is wine. And that's because this is a really serious consecration, because it's almost like he's doing what a high priest would have to do. 
for consecration. 16. And the priest shall bring them before the Lord and shall offer his sin offering and his burnt offering. 17. And he shall offer the ram for a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord with a basket of unleavened bread. The priest shall offer also the meal offering thereof and the drink offering thereof. This is a whole lot of offering. This is expensive. It's going to cost you a whole ram plus two lambs plus a loaf of bread plus a handful of grain plus oil plus wine. This is a big deal. 18. And the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tent of meeting, and shall take the hair of his consecrated head, and put it on the fire which is under the sacrifice of peace offerings. After his hair grows out again, then for those days that his hair was growing, that is what he is making the sacrifice for. Those are the days that count. The days before he touched the dead person don't count at all because he got defiled. But all the days in which he was not defiled count for the offering. And then all the hair that grew during that time gets shaved off and burnt before the Lord. 19. And the priest shall take the shoulder of the ram when it is sodden, and one unleavened cake of the basket, and one unleavened wafer, and shall put them upon the hands of the Nazarite, after he hath shaven his consecrated head. 20. And the priest shall wave them for a wave offering before the Lord. This is holy for the priest, together with the breast of waving, and the thigh of heaving, and after that the Nazarite may drink wine. All of this gets waved to show it's for you, God, but the priest is going to eat it. Plus, the priest gets the thigh for heaving, meaning he'll use the pitchfork tool to heave it up on the altar to burn it for his own food. And then he'll get the breast to eat for his family. See how God always gives humans the best part to eat, and then God takes the rest. He takes the fat, the innards, all the other stuff. And then at this point, when all this is said and done, then the Nazarite can drink wine. Because all these other days he wasn't allowed to drink wine. This shows you that Paul in the New Testament took a Nazarite vow. Because he talked in the New Testament about taking a vow and shaving his head. Paul did consecrate himself for a certain period of time. And I believe Timothy did as well because he had Timothy do it with him under a Nazarite ship. And during that time, they did a special assignment for the Lord. Maybe it was a prayer assignment. Maybe it was an apostleship assignment. I don't know. But I do know that John the Baptist's assignment was to proclaim the day of the Lord and was to call people to repentance. And I know that Samson's assignment was to kill a lot of Philistines, and that's what he did. Because the Philistines were evil pagans who were doing all kinds of horrific sins, and God wanted them destroyed. And so he used Samson to destroy the Philistines. But because of Samson's sin, he didn't destroy all of them. If Samson had obeyed the Lord, he probably would have destroyed all of the Philistines at that time. They ended up all dying later. We have three people in the Bible who are examples of Nazarites. Paul for a short time. John the Baptist was in the Nazarite ship during his entire life. Samson was in the Nazarite ship during his entire life. Well, both he and John the Baptist died young. But John the Baptist served well the whole time before he died. He was martyred for the Lord. 21. This is the law of the Nazarite who voweth, and of his offering unto the Lord for his Nazarite ship, beside that for which his means suffice, according to his vow which he voweth, so he must do after the law of the Nazarite ship. 22. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Now the vow means I'm not going to drink wine, I'm not going to cut my hair, I'm going to be totally consecrated to you, and I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to take on my task that you give me. Why 
does God have them grow out their hair and then shave their head off? It has to do with headship and the covering, which Paul discusses in the New Testament in Corinthians, where he says that when a man is praying or prophesying before the assembly, he is required to take his hat off. And when a woman is praying or prophesying before the assembly, if she is married and has short hair, she's required to cover her head. And this is a sign of headship because she, if she's married, if she's single, it doesn't apply to her, contrary to what a lot of people teach. And we'll get into this when we go into the Corinthians in the New Testament. But women almost never have to wear a head covering, and men almost never are prevented from wearing a head covering, according to Paul's words. And some women never have to wear a head covering. If you read the law carefully that Paul stated, it's very rare when a woman would have to cover her head. It's only when she is married, has short hair, and is praying or prophesying in front of the assembly. And it's very rare when a man would be prevented from covering his head. It's only when he is praying or prophesying before the assembly. And that's because the man is under God. But when the woman is praying or prophesying, she has to cover her head if she is married and has short hair because it's a sign that she's under the headship of her husband. But her husband is under the headship of God. But I think that's why in the Nazarite ship, you grow your hair until the days are complete and then you shave it off. Growing your hair would show that you're under the headship of God. 22. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, 23. Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, ye shall say unto them, now this is called the Aaronic blessing because it's this specific blessing that God gave Aaron the high priest to pray over the people to bless them. 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. 25. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. 26. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. 27. So shall they put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. The Lord is saying, when you pray this prayer, then my name will be on my people and I will bless them. And that concludes Numbers chapter 6.